Christ, his love and compassion, his convictions, and even some stinging conversations from time to time, that is the truth of how all of us should conduct our lives, because we're trying to imitate the truth that came to us in the flesh, as John said in that very first chapter. A lot of times, though, we don't embrace this lifestyle. We like Jesus. We like certain aspects of Jesus. We like it when people treat us exactly like Jesus, but sometimes we're not as committed to treating others the way that Jesus treated others. But he is the way, the truth, and the life. distortion of truth 
spoke truth to a lot of different types of people. There were the curious, the confused, people that were burdened, the helpless, the hopeless, the humble, and those that were seeking God. This was perhaps his favorite audience because they were receptive to what Jesus was having to say. I don't know how you came in here today. I don't know if you came in defensive or open-minded or whatever. Maybe some of the stuff I've said already is offensive and uh, narrow-minded in your view, but just keep in mind, all I've done is read the scriptures and elaborate a little bit on what those scriptures say. Uh, but what a great response. All of us have studied the Bible with people that were just like this. They were humble. They were seeking. They wanted to know the truth. And uh, it was so easy. Lori and I, I think, were pretty easy conversions. Uh, Dave and Teresa Vaughn, the couple that studied with us back in 1981, uh, might argue differently, but I think we were pretty open. We didn't fight anything they said. When we got to the passages about sin and commitment and stuff like that, we were like freaked out a little bit, but we didn't fight it. We knew that this was true, and so we embraced becoming Christians. I'd say prior to that, we were in a state where we were not open-minded at all, and we were not going to buy into any of this stuff that we had learned. But that's part of how God prepares everybody to receive the truth. I've studied with people, as you have as well, that kind of turn themselves in. Uh, I, I've studied with people that got baptized within a day, sometimes that day. And then there's people that we have all invested hours and months, years sometimes, trying to get them to accept the truth, but they never did because that second category was kind of a category that they fit into. Arrogant, lazy, self-righteous, ungodly, hard-hearted, and hypocrites. This applies to religious and non-religious people alike. But Jesus still loved them enough to speak the truth to them. You and I as disciples, we are to speak truth as well. The truth that Jesus received from the Father. And so we make judgments about who's open and who's not open. Some of the people that I've reached out to over the years I thought were totally closed and unopened and they end up becoming Christians. It blows you away. And then other people that are so humble and they embrace it and then they wander away and you go, what happened? Why didn't they do it? Why didn't they become a follower of Jesus? We never know some of the people that Jesus spoke truth to. There was a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He was highly regarded by the Jews. He had a prominent position in the circles of Judaism. He was not a dummy. He was a learned man. He was curious about Jesus 
then we realize that the truth was telling us something else. It's a real test of our humility to be able to let go of that or at least put our religious convictions on the shelf in order to embrace this truth about you must be born again. I was baptized in 1982, and uh, but then years later, when I studied the Bible a little bit deeper, and some people got involved with me, I understood the mechanics of how baptism worked and everything, but there were some things in my heart that were not surrendered, some things that I didn't fully understand, and I ended up getting rebaptized or actually baptized for the first time. I had been in the ministry for five years. It was a real humbling time to admit, I think I missed some stuff along the way, and to be able to embrace what was being said in order to do it. There was a risk involved, because if you as a minister admit that you're, <laughs> I guess I'm not a Christian, <laughs> then congregation says, well, I guess you're not our minister. <laughs> it's, it's a humbling thing. It's a challenging thing. But God provided that opportunity for Lori and myself to get this all on straight. If you're visiting and you have a religious background, this is a big test for all of you as well, because it is possible to really think and believe that you're a Christian. But if you study the find out a lot of times that there may have been something off about your conversion experience. I've talked about infant baptism in the past. It's not in the Bible, yet that's what happened to me when I was a baby. I've talked about in the past praying Jesus into your heart. I did that a couple times, but yet there's not one example in the Bible of anybody praying Jesus into their heart. It wasn't until the truth of conversion was spoken to me and Lori that we were able to embrace this and then receive the blessing from God. The only thing you have to lose is your pride. You have everything to gain by following this man's example, Nicodemus, where he continued to ask questions. We don't know from the Bible whether ever became a Christian or not. I'd like to hope that he did. But nonetheless, you must be born again is a truth that we have to accept and that we also have to speak to other people. Amen? Amen. In John chapter 4, we read about a Samaritan woman. We don't know what her name is other than just a Samaritan woman. She's sitting at a well Jesus comes by, asks her for a drink. They get into a conversation. She starts talking about, hey, where do we worship, on this mountain or that mountain? Kind of like, hey, where do you go to church? Do you go to this one or that one? There's a lot of churches in Grand Rapids. It's a pretty syrupy religious town, from what I remember growing up, and it hasn't changed, maybe even gotten more so that way since I've been away for there's this weird identity 
church do you go to? Where do you attend? Where's your membership? As if there really is an earthly membership. There's only one membership when God reveals who the names are that written in, uh, that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then Jesus, without batting an eye, embarrassingly honest with this woman, he says, where's your husband? And then the next question is, you're right, that isn't your husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man you're now with is not your husband at all. Yeah. How dare he speak that kind of truth to some stranger that he met at a well? That's ridiculous. How can we be that blunt and that honest? It's not a pleasant topic. It's not one that's popular in the world today because everybody has their truth. But a lot of people's truth is actually justification for living an ungodly, sinful life. And that's why we have to shed that off in order to embrace the truth. 
thousands of people this day about eating his flesh, drinking his blood, and the majority of them, they say, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from that time on, they turn back and no longer follow Jesus. This can happen even with you and me as disciples. We can follow him, and then we run into this wall about our own personal life. Maybe it's laziness, maybe it's fear, but we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to break through. And so the easiest way out is to turn away and no longer follow. And maybe even spread gossip and rumors about Jesus and family. His disciples, the twelve, are watching all of this unfold. Can you imagine what that would have looked like if you were one of those 12. These thousands of people walk away. And maybe you're even second guessing Jesus. Jesus, why did you why did you say it that way? You ran a bunch of people off. He wasn't concerned about running people off. He wanted people to accept the truth. And then
Our truth has got to come from the truth, God, who gave the message of truth to Jesus, who passed it on to the disciples, who have recorded the truth, and God has preserved the truth in what we call the Bible, whether it's a real Bible in paper or a fake Bible on your tablets and devices. So 